as we continue our Bible study series and Sunday morning series on being a and being disciple makers, emulating Jesus who guides us as disciple makers, this becomes sort of that central image, that image of a shepherd, that image of one who guides and feeds and takes care of the sheep, the one who leads us along the way. So would you join me in prayer this morning um, as we ask God to speak to us about uh, how we are to be those who shepherd the flock of, uh, that God has entrusted to us. Father, we do thank you for being our guide, for being the one who leads us along the way, for being the one who takes us step by step by step uh, to all the way uh, you lead us. And you've never forsaken us and you never will. God, I ask that you would lead us even this morning, even this time of worship, uh, that we would be those that would be transformed by your word and remember what you have called us to be. Father, thank you so much for the great privilege of being your shepherds uh, for your flock. Thank you for Jesus, our great shepherd. We pray these things in his name. Amen. This morning, um, I must let you know that immediately after the worship today, we do have our church-wide family gathering, picnic, uh, stuff is out there. If you spent, did you smell it on the way in already? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. See, I've already got my sunglasses out. I mean, I, I'm ready to go. I don't know if you've ever uh, officiated a wedding, but uh, when you do the wedding sermon, the wedding message, you've got to realize that the people are all sitting there kind of going, let's get on with the show here. <laughs> We're ready to get to the reception. There's a little bit of like, this morning, I can understand that a lot of us are maybe kind of anxious to get out there and celebrate in fellowship. Uh, I certainly am and looking forward to it. But we do want to take time in God's word today because God does speak to us. And I think this is one of these critical messages about who we are supposed to be as his people. Um, when we think about weddings, as I brought it up, or cookouts, as we just brought up, we also think about summertime as introducing this graduation moment, right? Um, what is graduation? Is it celebration? Or is it also expectation? I, I, I can vaguely remember graduation, uh, Patrick. I, I, I too remember graduating from high school. It's been quite a while now. But as I kind of remember it, it, it was a little bit for me of, yay, accomplishment. I'm so glad, you know, high school, we'd finished. But there was also a little bit of anxiety. What's next? What's going on? What are these next steps? In our youth group meeting um, on Friday night, uh, Rachel and I were there with some middle school boys, and one is heading to high school, and he said that he's a little bit nervous about that graduating from middle school going on to high school, because you feel those new pressures. You feel that new anxiety. Am I an adult now? I don't always feel like an adult. I don't know that I did at 18. I was pretty anxious and pretty nervous. And this is where we come back to realize that as followers of Jesus, all of us, all of us need that guidance from God, that guidance from those who are older, those guidance and mentors in our life. But we also start becoming that guide and mentor that God uses in the lives of others. Um, in John chapter 10, Jesus sort of brings out this image when he says in John 10 verse 1, Very truly, I tell you Pharisees. The Pharisees were supposed to be the teachers. They were supposed to be the shepherds. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, uh, anyone who does not enter 
the, the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Huh. Interesting message. Interesting metaphor. What was Jesus talking about? Well, the Pharisees actually didn't quite pick up on this idea. In verse 6, it says this. In that same passage, Jesus used this figure of speech, the idea of being a shepherd, the idea of guiding the sheep. He used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees... The teachers, the leaders, the quote-unquote shepherds of Israel, the shepherds of God's people, it says they didn't understand. They didn't understand what he was telling them. They didn't get it. They enjoyed the prestige. They enjoyed the prominence. They enjoyed getting greeted at the marketplace. They enjoyed being asked to give the prayer at the wedding or asked to be the, give the prayer and be the first one through at the cookout. Now, we don't have to do that for your pastor. But, but they enjoyed those kind of privileges, but they didn't understand the role of being shepherd. And as Jesus brings up... Anyone who enters the sheep pen that doesn't go through the gates, not really the shepherd, they're a thief and a robber, and they're thinking, I don't quite understand what he's talking about. What's going on? We understand the image. Why do we understand? Well, we are so familiar with this psalm. Psalm 23, what does it say? You know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the, the shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy or love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This image of God being our shepherd, the God who leads us then through the darkest valleys or prepares that table before us, the one who protects us with his rod and his staff, this is one of the most familiar Im images to us as believers. We understand and know that God is the guide and the strength and the protector of our lives. And we cherish this, we look at this, and we know it. But we're also familiar with the fact that this image comes out when the New Testament speaks about pastors. When the Apostle Peter, as an elder, as a pastor, speaks to other pastors and other elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says it this way. He says, For you were all like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And to the elders and pastors, he says, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering that we, uh, that who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of the flock, of God's flock. It's not your flock, of God's flock that is under your care. We understand as Christians that the pastors and the leaders of the church are supposed to be like shepherds. You know, the ones who take care of the sheep. You know, the ones who get up in the morning, make sure the sheep have water and grass, and the ones who make sure that at night the sheep are in their pen or protected from the wolves or the, you know, bandits or whoever. Or the, we understand this image. I don't think we need to talk about it much. 
Does that mean we can go ahead and go to the table that's being prepared before us? No, no, no. There's some things we do need to know. In the disciple-making church, and that's what we are, if we're going to be a disciple-making church, we all share in that responsibility as sheep to follow our Savior, to follow the, the shepherd. But we are to become these shepherds in the church. We are to become those who guide and lead and help others in worship, in the work and ministry of the church, in the witness, in knowing how to study God's word. It is my privilege and it is yours to help our children, our grandchildren, to help new believers, to help those who don't know as much as you or maybe don't have a certain skill that you have learn to follow Jesus. I, I think we can recognize it in all kinds of points. I, I'm going to tell you one about this morning. This morning, <clears throat> Dick Gobley's out there. He's making sure we have food right now. He is out there grilling, and he is having a good time. He's got this pot roaster thing that I, I don't even know what it is, but it's this big box, and it is making meat, and it's going to be delicious. But we were going to cut up, and he was handing me a knife. Um, I didn't actually end up doing the cutting, but he, he handed me a knife because we had to prepare some onions and that kind of thing. We, meaning somebody else, did it. Um, but he handed me a knife, and he said, Now, do you know how to exchange a knife properly, right? Did you know there's a proper way to hand somebody a knife? The blade's supposed to be out away from your hand so it doesn't cut you, and you don't let go of it till the other person says thank you. I did. I learned that as a boy. Royal Ambassadors, I think, is where I learned it. Uh, perhaps you learned it somewhere, too. But there's a proper way to extend and exchange a knife. You know that that's discipleship, right? Now, that's not discipleship in things of the Lord. That's discipleship about how to properly exchange a knife. But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are shepherds. We are teaching people how to be in worship, how to be in God's presence, how to pray, how to understand and read Scripture. We are a disciple-making church. It means we have to become shepherds about the work and the ministry of the church. Now, Jesus was talking to these Pharisees, and he addresses them and says, Hey, you Pharisees... Verse 1, anyone who doesn't enter by the sheep pen, by the gate, but climbs in, is a thief and a robber. That's the part they didn't understand. I think they probably kind of understood the shepherd part, but they didn't understand why is he talking about thieves and robbers. Well, it's because God, Jesus was wanting us to know a truth. That there are bad shepherds. There are bad examples. There are, is a wrong way. Truth number one, there are bad shepherds. When Jesus refers to this, he brings it up them as thief and robber. Someone who is stealing, someone who is selfish, someone who is pulling only for their own good. Thief and robber. He goes on to say in verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. He's declaring that these other religious leaders were not good shepherds. They were not had in mind the benefit and the good and the development of the sheep. Verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Brothers and sisters, we have seen lately, both in the news, perhaps you've experienced in your own life, I have heard two testimonies, two this week, of how shepherds of the Lord, people who are supposed to be the pastors, people who are supposed to be those who were building up God's people because of the model of their lives or because of specific harm and abuse that they did towards others, they hurt the people of God. 
We know the stories, and we are grieved and brokenhearted. And, 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 and Jesus is describing these. Often this is used to refer to Satan. Oh, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in context, Jesus is actually talking to the religious leaders that some of them were acting really under Satan's sort of influence. They were the ones that were being the Satan in people's life. They were the ones who were stealing, killing, and destroying. And it breaks my heart that this keeps coming up again and again. There are bad shepherds. Jesus was actually referring to a prophecy in the book of Ezekiel. Go back and read Ezekiel 34. And in Ezekiel 34, God is really bold. God is really uh, angry. And God speaks in Ezekiel 34 and says, Hey, shepherds of Israel, I am against you. You have not shepherded my flock. You have only fattened yourself eating the flock. You have run away when the, when the wild animals come. You've let my flock be scattered. You have not searched for the lame or searched for the strays. You have not taken care of my flock. And so God declares that he will come and that he will deliver his own sheep. That he will come and he will be their shepherd. And he will rescue those. And he will judge between one sheep and another. Between those who are strong and those who are weak. And he will take care of their flock. And he says, I will put one shepherd over them, my servant David. He doesn't mean David. David's been dead for a few hundred years by that point. But he means the Messiah King Jesus. He's saying, I will put my shepherd, my king, my Messiah, and there will be one shepherd and one flock, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. God is against false shepherds who cared only for themselves. God declares that he will come and he will rescue his sheep, and God declares that he would put his Messiah King as one king over his flock. Brothers and sisters, this Messiah, this prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus came. As Jesus is speaking to the shepherds of Israel, the Pharisees, these religious teachers, he's saying, guys, you're fired. You're done. You're through. It's over for you. I'm here now. I have fulfilled the prophecy. You're out of a job because I am the shepherd of the sheep now. And I'm going to establish my kingdom. And I'm going to take care of my flock. There are bad shepherds. There were bad shepherds preceding Jesus. But sadly, as Jesus has set up his kingdom, some of the shepherds, some of us, have not been faithful in all the tasks that God has given us or in our relationships. And we can become those bad shepherds. Truth number two, though, is that what Jesus wants us to know today is how to be the good shepherds. How to be those that take care of the people in God's kingdom. Number one, good shepherds follow the rules. Well, what do we mean good shepherds follow the rules? Well, what, what are you talking about? Well, listen to the metaphor again that, that, that he gives in John chapter 10. What does Jesus say? The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, I don't think he's just using this pastoral metaphor of Oh, shepherds, well, there's going to be a sheep pen, so uh, the good shepherd has to enter through the gate. He's using this in purpose as a metaphor, right, to understand that there are rules that we need to follow in how we interact with one another. The shepherd enters through the gate. The shepherd must obey God's rules just like everybody else. There's none of this, okay, do as I say, not as I do business. Anybody use that phrase? <clears throat> no, we can't, we, we can't, right? 
The shepherds have to follow the rules. Entering through the gate means following the rules. The very first thing that means, it has to do with the belief and faith in Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus said this, Therefore, again, verse 7, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep have not listened to them. But I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. Now here Jesus begins to mix his metaphors, right? He's saying the good shepherds come in through the gate, but then he also kind of says that he is the gate. So in some ways, Jesus is both the good shepherd, but Jesus is also the gate for the sheep. What does it mean? Well, the first thing that a good shepherd must do is they must actually be a believer. For us to be shepherds and mentors and disciple makers in the church, we ourselves need to have faith in Jesus alone for our salvation. Only in Christ, entering through him, the gate, can we have eternal life. Jesus is the only one who died on the cross, paying for sins. He's the one that says you have to put your faith in him, and only in faith in him are we saved. It's foundational, it's fundamental. But how quickly, as leaders, we can start becoming self-sufficient. You know, self-reliant. You know, as the wise disciple maker, I would like to say to you, brothers, sisters, I need the power of Jesus every day. I need Jesus' words every day. I need to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit every day. And so do you. If we are going to be with our children, our grandchildren, if we're going to be with our neighbors, if we're going to make disciples, helping others grow in their relationship with God, we need to have his words. Okay. In the prophet Jeremiah, now, there's a really interesting passage in Jeremiah. In 22, Jeremiah, God speaks, and he's talking about false teachers. He's talking about false prophets. He's talking about those who are false. But then he says this, But if they, the prophets, had stood in my counsel, then they would proclaim my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil deeds and from their wicked ways. Brothers and sisters, how are we going to make disciples of Jesus if we are not currently being a disciple of Jesus? How do we help others know his words if his word is not dwelling in us? The very first thing that our, a good shepherd is, is they must make sure Jesus is known. I spoke with a friend, another pastor. He's looking for a staff member. It's a church that I've been involved with in the past. And he said, yeah, we're looking at a guy, and he's coming from this seminary. And I'm like... Well, you know, that seminary has a reputation of not always teaching that Jesus is the only way to salvation or that Jesus was really here or that Jesus... That seminary has a little bit of a reputation of that. Now, the person might be fine, but I said, you need to ask those theological questions. And he said, well, this was just going to be our initial meeting and greeting. We were going to ask that kind of stuff later. I'm like, good friend of mine, you need to ask those questions up front. If a shepherd is not teaching Jesus as the only way to salvation, if a shepherd is not teaching that Jesus died and rose again, if a shepherd is not teaching in, and hearing from God on a daily basis, he can't be the right sheep for the flock. He can't, he's not leading them in and out through the one who is the gate. And that's Jesus. Okay, I'm mixing the metaphors too. 
All right, let's go on. Verse 26. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says that he himself is evaluating himself because another way to be a bad shepherd is preaching truth. You can preach truth. You can tell people the correct things, and you can be a total hypocrite. I know I've done it. I know I've done it. There have been times in my life where I'm teaching what is right, but I'm living what's wrong. Paul, the apostle, says it this way. Therefore, I'm not going to run like someone who is just running aimlessly, just running around in circles. No, no, no. I, I don't fight like a boxer who's just beating the air. I, I'm in a competition. I'm in a race. There are rules that I need to follow. No, I strike my body or I beat my body. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm conditioning myself, following the rules to make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. What is he saying? He's like, look, I have to think of this as an athlete. If I'm running a race, I've got to stay in my lane. I've got to finish the race and run the course. I can't just run anywhere. In baseball, it's not like, I mean, I, I, wouldn't that be great if you could just like run to any base you want to? That'd make it a lot easier. It's like, oh shoot, I hit that. I'm going to run to the third base instead. Yeah, you've got to follow the rules. You've got to stay in the baseline. You can't just run anywhere trying not to get tagged. It's not tag. It's not dodgeball. It's baseball. You've got to play the game according to the rules. The good shepherds, we've got to stay in the rules. We have to constantly be looking and evaluating. Are we being those who are hypocritical? Now we're all hypocrites. We all do it. But are we constantly confessing and constantly getting that stuff out? Constantly making sure that we're not crossing lines that we just can't cross. There's been enough of that. How can someone fail at following the rules? We just watched 700. A list of 700. Southern Baptist ministers, ministers, on a list for sexual abuse. Last week, this list comes out. Brothers and sisters, it's not even a complete list. We cannot be this. Not a single one of us. Not someone who is called a minister or called a pastor or not someone who is a Sunday school teacher or a children's worker. We have to be vigilant in watching ourselves and watching each other. We cannot be this. In 2 Peter chapter 2, he describes false teachers and says, they mouth empty, boastful words. They're appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh. They entice people who are just now escaping those who live in error. There's no sense of the holiness of God. We become tolerant of everything, both in ourselves and others. Brothers and sisters, this can't be. Truth number one, to be, a, or true, to be a good shepherd, number one, is to follow the rules. But number two, it's to listen to the chief shepherd. To listen to the chief shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus again says this, When he, the Messiah, has called out all that are his own, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. 
I was talking to Hirsch a while ago, and he was talking about a trip he had gone to Israel. And I had gone on one of these trips to Israel one time and done a tour. And I remember the tour bus guy stopped by a group of Bedouin people, I mean, people who lived in tents and herded sheep and all of this stuff. I was like, this is really cool. And, of course, we as all the tourists got out of the bus, right? <laughs> and we all had our cameras out, you know, oh, taking pictures. Look, sheep and shepherds. And, you know, and the sheep just went berserk. And they started running. I mean, it was like a, a stampede. And all of a sudden, we heard this whistle. <clears throat> That wasn't a whistle, and I can't whistle, so just pretend. Okay, the, sheep, the shepherd just made a whistle, and all of the sheep turned on a dime. Stopped right there. And then they all posed, you know, give a dollar and we'll let you take a picture. <laughs> but, but, but the shepherd had full control. The sheep, they were afraid of us. I mean, all these, and we're all humans, right? The shepherd's a human, we're a human. Why are you afraid of us? We're not going to eat you. Well, at least not now. But I mean, we're all there. Why are you afraid, sheep? Yeah, because we're not the shepherd. But they knew the shepherd's voice. See, here's what I'm afraid of, though. I'm afraid that we, as followers of Jesus, don't have Jesus as our familiar voice. Either Those of you who are brand new, I, that's understandable. But those of us who have been a Christian a while, it's because we listen to every other voice and not the Lord. We so fill our lives with every other voice that we can hear it. We can hear it in our, in our, in our thoughts. Who's your familiar voice? Is it, is it guys from the news? Is it your parents? Like some kind of thing going on in your head. Like, you know, my, my dad always said this. My mom always said this. Is it... <clears throat> Hirsch and I were talking earlier, and we could both quote Yoda. You know, Yoda's, there is no try. Do or do not, there is no try. Do you hear Master Yoda in your head telling you the way to go? Now, it's me and Hirsch. And I figure if it's Hirsch in me, then it's okay. Then I'm, it's not as nerdy. But what about God's word? Do you hear, like if we take a moment just now, what scripture pops to mind? Lord, speak to me. What do I need to hear? Is it the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. Is it, if they had stood in my counsel, then they would proclaim my words to my people and turn them from their evil ways or evil deeds? Is it, by me and you bear fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing? What is it, though the mountains give way and the, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my salvation. I will not be afraid. What are the words of God that come to mind? What jumps into you? Have you hidden God's word in your heart so that you might not sin against him? So that he might be the one who speaks to you in those still, quiet moments when you're needing direction, when you're needing assurance, when you're needing confidence, when you're just needing to know which way to go. Is the still, small voice there because the scripture is there? Or are your own thoughts your familiar voice? We need to be those, to be his shepherds, that know his words and know his voice. John 10, verse 16 says, I have other sheep that are not even of this pen. I'm going to bring those in also. He's talking about the Gentile believers, those non-Jewish believers who would come and come quickly into the church. He says, they too will listen to my voice. The ones that don't know scripture from, from childhood, the ones who didn't know all of the Old Testament prophets, it's okay. They will also learn to listen to my voice, the my voice of Jesus, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. Once again, straight out of Ezekiel, God's promise there would be one flock with one shepherd. So, we keep challenging many of you. Hey, we need some new six-week Bible study leaders for our children or for our youth. Or would you come help on a youth night? Or would you come help us uh, on Sunday morning and teach us Sunday school time? Uh, 
we need worship leaders, those who would help guide us musically, but those who would guide us in our worship experiences. Don't just say yes. Say yes with the commitment to be in His Word daily, to let God's Word dwell in you richly, to let Him shape you, to let Him change you, to that you become that disciple-maker because His words overflow out of you. That refreshing spring, water, living water. Take time today for His Word. Finally, the heart of the shepherd is a heart that sacrifices for the sheep. Good shepherds sacrifice for the sheep. Jesus says it this way, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. They don't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep, runs away, and the wolf attacks and scatters the flock. Brothers and sisters, this is an obvious reference from Jesus to what he was going to do. Jesus was heading to the cross where he would literally lay down his life for the sheep, where he would literally go and be nailed to a piece of wood and die a horrific death to pay the penalty for our sins before God. The sinless one took on sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through our faith in him. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, whether you're online or you're here in, in, in the sanctuary with us, give your life to Jesus today. He died for you and rose again three days later. But this also applies to us as a church. For any of us who would be shepherds, be Sunday school leaders, be, be teachers, be those who would disciple others in ways, working with our families, we lay down our lives. Now that doesn't mean we literally have to die, necessarily. But it does mean we sacrifice. It does mean we put others before ourselves. It does mean that we lay down our lives, giving time that maybe you would choose to do something else, but you, your treasure becomes what God treasures, and that's the lost sheep of Israel, the people who don't know him, the people who do know him but need to grow. They become our treasure. Time with others, time investing as shepherds becomes our heartbeat. Well, as you know, our church is actually going through a search right now. We've collected a couple of resumes. We're making the next steps. Um, we're looking for some staff members to help join us as ministerial leaders. But can I tell you what we need? We need pastors, ministers, leaders, and not hired hands. If they care nothing for the flock, if their immediate connection is not, man, I love this, I, I, I love you. If, if they don't immediately have a heart to love and connect with God's people, to serve God's people, that's not, we don't need hired hands. We don't need people to come and just do work. We need people who love the flock and love discipleship. Would you pray with me that God would send people who would actually love this flock and the flock that it's going to be? We need to have leaders that listen to God's voice, that they are hearing God daily. They are hearing Him moment by moment. They have saturated their life with His Word and continue to do so because it's not just something you do in the past. It's an ongoing, it's a daily need. And we need not pretenders who are serving their own preferences, especially in a world that is confused on so many issues. We need to hear from God. And we need ministers and leaders who hear from the Lord.
And we need people who are going to be sacrificial disciple makers. We need people that give up their time and their preferences. They give up uh, certain other things in their life. Not just selfish consumers. People that just want, well, this, this seems like a great place I, I can get something out of. No, it has to be people that are saying, no, I, I'm willing to be here even if it costs. Brothers and sisters, we have to have those kinds of leaders as our staff. But it means that we need to be those kinds of leaders too. We need to be those kinds of leaders too. In John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Jesus not only did what the Father wanted, but He loved us. He had the authority. He had the power. He, had, he could lay His life down or He could have chosen not to. I'm so thankful that it wasn't just for the glory of the Father. It wasn't just for obedience to the Father. It wasn't just for Jesus fulfilling His role, but that Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right there. Right there. That Jesus had the authority to lay down his life and take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my accord. He did this because he loves us. So the question, are you following Jesus today? Are we becoming those disciple makers he has called us to be? It starts with the question of who are you shepherding? Who is in your life right now or who needs to be in your life that you are giving your time, your attention to? Is it family? Is it neighbors? Is it someone here in this church? But who are you making disciples of? Who's your one? Is Jesus your familiar voice? Or has everything else crowded out Jesus' voice? I mean, you can get it on tape. <laughs> if you're reading's hard, whatever you've got to do. But we need to saturate our lives with God's Word. And finally, this was the one that gets me a lot. Is there any sacrifice that's too great? Ezra, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that, that, okay, Jesus. I, I'm, willing to go, I'm willing to do this, because I actually like sacrificing Friday nights to hang out with the teenagers. That's kind of fun. But am I willing to do this? What sacrifice is too great? Jesus, our shepherd, gave his life, gave his life that we might be forgiven. What is God calling you to give? Pray with me. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the, lo the, the love you have for us, he also had. Lord, help us be loving and faithful shepherds of your sheep. We pray this in the name of our great shepherd, Jesus. Amen. This morning, um, we're going to sing a song. And as we do, if you need to trust Jesus as your Savior, would you come? Just, just come on down. If you've never done this before, if you've never asked Jesus to become your Savior, and Lord, you, you come. Or right where you are, if you're online, or you can ask Jesus, become Lord of my life, forgive me. For some of you, maybe this is the church you want to join. Like, I want to be a member here. This is where God is calling me. Would you respond as God is calling you? If you need prayer about something else, I'll be here at the front. But let's all sing, just as I am. Let's go before the Lord.